0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Are You Freaking Serious? Well, we just heard from the central bank, and there are basically three things that we should take away from this because there were some very significant decisions that were made. The first thing is, well, inflation may be not so transitory as was thought. As a matter of fact, it looks like the central bank said that the case for higher inflation is building. Due to greater supply-side constraints, that means there's too much money chasing too few goods. You see, supply-side, there's a lot of constraints out there. It can be from lack of manufacturing or lack of farming or lack of distribution. You know, moving stuff around the world with containers or even right here in the United States, moving stuff around can be very, very difficult. And so consequently, if you're not, well, let's say you're not manufacturing, you're not producing, you're not growing as much to keep up with the amount of money that's being printed, being produced, being put out into the system. Well, then you've got too much money chasing too few goods. And that is the definition of inflation. No, it's not higher prices, folks. That is a result of inflation. Any kid who takes Economics 101 is going to correct you if you say, oh, inflation, higher prices. No, it is the lack of goods, and it is the overwhelming supply of money. Remember, things are driven by supply and demand. And so when you really look at it, the dollar becomes more and more devalued. And so what do we take away from the Fed meeting? What do we take away from this whole thing? Well, we take away the idea that things are going to start to get dicey. They're going to start to get a little difficult out there. Now, I keep saying the central bank because I'm sure you're thinking about this meeting that was just held by the Federal Reserve of the United States. No, that's not the meeting I was talking about. Actually, the meeting I was talking about occurred many years ago. Actually, it occurred in the year 1818. That's right. And there was another central bank. It was a central bank of the United States, but it was our third central bank. Now the title of the bank is going to get a little confusing because in those days it wasn't called the Federal Reserve. It was called the Second Bank of the United States. That's right. The Second Bank of the United States. But why did I say it was the third bank if I said it was the second bank? Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Let's back up for a second. The very first bank that ever came into central bank prowess and became the Bank of the United States was in the Revolutionary War. That's right. For two years, that bank was running. It was called the Bank of North America. Why was it called that? Because the estimation was... Canada was going to be part of it. Now, we've talked about this before, and we've talked about central banks, but now you've got the Bank of North America. Then, all of a sudden, we had another bank put forth by Alexander Hamilton, opposed by Thomas Jefferson, but it was put forth by the rich, for the rich, for the benefit of the rich, to print money. That was called the First Bank of the United States. See, second central bank, but still called first bank of the United States. Then along comes in 1816. And oh, by the way, that second or that first bank of the United States didn't last long. 20 years, it was its charter, but it didn't get rechartered. Why didn't it? Because there was to be too many problems, too much money chasing too few goods. You see, it's very hard for the bankers to resist printing money, they need to print money. That is the solution to everything. And then they step back and they go, why is there inflation? I just don't get it, Bob. I just can't figure it out. Maybe we should ask Sleepy Joe. Wake him up. No, we don't wake him up. But let's understand. And so the bank, the first bank of the United States, went by the boards. Then along we get to 1816. And we get Mr. Andrew Jackson, who's battling Mr. Biddle, who is running this bank, and we get the second bank of the United States. Once again, a central bank. A bank that can print money. It can print money. Why? Because it has a little gold in there. In those days, you had to have a little specie. Because on that piece of paper that you were handed, it said, able to be turned in for specie. Which was gold or silver. That's correct. As a matter of fact, we had that on our dollar bills a long time ago, up until 1933, when Franklin Delano Roosevelt said gold is illegal, and we went to total fiat. Nothing backing up our paper, but we're in 1816. So the bank comes along and then all of a sudden we've got, remember it's 1816, we've got the West being opened up. We got people, go West, young man. We got banks that are popping up like there's nobody's business. As a matter of fact, there was a battle between the central bank and the wildcat banks. You see, the central bank really didn't want the wildcat banks around. But there were too many investors, rich people who had investments in those banks. Well, here's what the bank, the central bank, said to those wildcat banks: We're not going to accept your paper. We're not going to accept your dollars because you can't guarantee that they'll be able to be turned in for gold. Okay. Now all of a sudden, the wildcat bank said, "No, wait a minute. Two can play at that game. We're not going to accept your paper, Central Bank of the United States, because." You can't back yours up with gold or silver. So it was tick for tat. And a lot of rich people were getting hurt in the whole thing. Finally, they said after 1817, you know something? Why don't we just let bygones be bygones? We'll accept your paper. You'll accept our paper. And forget the fact that we have any gold and we have no gold to back any of this up. Well, I had a little, so that made up fractional money. That means paying out a lot based upon a little in your coffers. Okay, so they said, let's bygones be bygones. So everybody started printing paper. And the states wanted to get in on it. They saw how much money was being made by the federal government, you know, interest on loans. Okay, so they said, well, we'll start opening banks. And the next year, the banking in this country increased the number of banks 46%. Imagine... 46% increase in banks. That meant that all these guys were printing money, 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 printing it and printing paper. And when you have just so much land, so so much uh, goods, just so much uh, uh, growing products, just so much stuff, and you've got all this money being printed, all of a sudden prices started moving dramatically, very dramatically. And then it came to 1818. It looked like the central bank was going to go under. There was so much money out there. And people started demanding that if they turned their paper in, they could get gold or silver for it. Didn't happen. And so in 1818, a meeting was held. Much like the meeting that was held in the last two days by our Federal Reserve, our central bank. Yes, the fourth central bank of the, York, of the United States. Formulated in 1913 and still going on. The longest one in history but they had the same kind of meeting in 1818 as they did in the last two days they all sat down and talked about how are we going to control this inflation and so what did they decide to do well there's basically the three takeaways and there were three takeaways in 1818 and there were three takeaways yesterday the first one is we got to start raising interest rates yes now in the most recent meeting They have a little sophisticated thing called the dot plot. This is an estimation. Each of the Federal Reserve officials who are voting, they kind of give their estimation what's going to happen with the interest rates. And all of a sudden, it was surprising because Chairman Powell, we didn't think, was going to project a hike in 2022. But in the dot plots, yes, they're predicting that there is going to be a rate increase in 2022 one of them and then there's going to be three more this is what the median projected the dot plot projected three more each in 2023 and three more in 2024 that means that there are six maybe seven more rate increases that are becoming down the line really rate increases on credit cards on mortgages on loans and all of a sudden That becomes tightening. You're tightening. Now, in 1818, they started calling in loans. We're not doing that here. We're not calling loans in, but we may not be extending those loans. Somebody comes into the bank and says, you know, I'd like to roll my loan over. The banker may say, sorry about that, pal. You need to pay up, or we foreclose. And that's exactly what happened in 1818. Now, what's number two takeaway from this whole thing? And that is, instead of putting money and printing, all of a sudden we hear the word taper. Now, taper doesn't mean stop. Taper means reduce. Reduce how much is being printed. And when we talk about that, what we're looking at is, the idea of how much they're going to buy, in other words, still putting money into the system, but at dramatically less rates. And the whole idea potentially is that we could see tapering starting in this next month in October by as much as $15 billion a month. That's right. $15 billion a month. What would they stop buying? They would stop buying U.S. Treasuries. And they would stop buying mortgage-backed securities. Remember, when they buy, they put money into the system. They write a check. The Treasury, the the Federal Reserve writes a check. And they send that check to the banks who have the Treasury paper and the mortgage-backed securities. And those pieces of paper are put on the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve. Are those checks worth anything? No, we've been through this. We went through the whole exercise. They're not worth anything. You get you and I get thrown in jail if we wrote a check like that. But that check then goes to the Federal Reserve. Excuse me, goes to uh the Treasury. Then the Treasury takes that money, deposits it in their accounts at the another uh, Federal Reserve uh branch bank, and then that gets sent out to commercial banks and on and on and on and it just keeps putting money into the system. Well, what the taper means is that they're going to do it less. We're going to put less money in. We're not going to just stop cold turkey. We're just going to stop putting less money into it. So now what you talk about is we look at that particular situation. We're buying less. We're going to raise interest rates. And then what are we talking about as far as conclusion? Well, the conclusion is, well... Yeah, we're looking at inflation, okay? That is the conclusion. They threw away this, well, it's only transitory, but now they're starting to say it could very well be real, and it could, inflation, and it could very well be going on longer than we thought. Tapering, raising interest rates, and admission to the fact of inflation. Well, I'm glad that they came to that Realization. I'm glad that they came to that conclusion because all you have to do, and as I teach and talk to not only you on the radio, you around the world, but students that I teach, people who in colleges and high schools, that all you have to do is to know what's going to happen in the future, take a look what's happened in the past. In 1818, when the Federal Reserve, I should say the central bank, the Second Bank of the United States, did exactly the same thing that this Federal Reserve is proposing to do. There was a significant depression. There was, there had been this big boom, a big boom with all the money being printed. And then what they created was the second part of that called the bust. And the bust came in 1818 when they decided to tighten money and raise interest rates and stop putting money into the system or reducing it dramatically. And so for the next couple of years, we had a very, very real problem. The problem, a depression, people losing jobs, businesses closing. And this was all in 1818, six years after the War of 1812. And basically, we're talking about 42 years before the beginning of the Civil War. Yes, This was a very significant time period. Does it get a lot of play in the history books? No, it doesn't. The year that gets to play is 1929, because guess what, folks? The Roaring Twenties had the Federal Reserve coming together for a meeting just like we saw this week, just like we saw in 1818. And they made a decision to stop buying, stop putting money into the system, and start raising interest rates. We all know what happened in October 29th, 1929, when the Federal Reserve made these announcements. We can come back to 1999, when after we've had a tremendous movement in the stock market because of the dot-com, we had Alan Greenspan, the head of the Federal Reserve, the head of the 4th Central Bank, make a statement. There is rational exuberance in the marketplace What did they decide to do? The same thing they did in 1818. The same thing they did in 1929. There are spots all through history showing how the central bank of this country have created the booms and then created the busts. Have they done something different each time? No. They've raised the interest rates. They've tightened the money. And they've acknowledged that inflation is a very real problem. Why should we think that this time it should be any different. I know people love to make this comment, but this time it's different. No. You know what my response to that is? Are you freaking serious? No, it is not different. This was a big meeting. And when you take a look, I have to say, has the term transitory inflation overstayed its welcome? Is it ready to go? Well, those who don't study and know history as someone once said, are doomed to repeat it. And that is no, are you freaking serious? Yes, I am freaking serious. You are doomed to repeat it. What is ahead of us? Only history can tell us that. And history has spoken. And we know exactly what it said. Until next time, I'm Bill Tetro.